notes straightened out. Let's pray together, okay? And then let's learn together. Father in heaven, so good to be together in your presence, in your presence. And today, as we celebrate the birth of the church as we know it, Father in heaven, it's your presence, the Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of you through your Holy Spirit that that brings us together, that draws us into a place like this. And we cannot but say thank you. And it's where our hearts are at to worship and adore you. So we give you praise. May this time be about you, Father in heaven, about you, Lord Jesus Christ, and about you, Holy Spirit, less of me more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, a couple of years ago now, I decided to kind of read devotionally through the book of Acts. I wanted to know the Holy Spirit, okay? And not, I mean, that's not, I don't want you to be like, what in the world? This guy's going to preach at us and he doesn't even know the Holy Spirit. That's not it wasn't, it wasn't like that so much. To be clear, I, I, had, I had known the Holy Spirit, right? But here's the deal. I grew up in a church tradition that perhaps maybe un, unwittingly or, or, or without knowing kind of relegated the Holy Spirit to a few lines in their doctrinal statement. Maybe I'll put it that way. Um, I don't mean that in a harsh or a negative way necessarily. I don't know that I mean that in a particularly positive way either, uh, but um, they, they gave full witness to, to the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, absolutely. But, but the last one there didn't seem to get as much airtime maybe as the other ones, if you kind of catch where I'm going, okay? So, um, and what happened over, over time, what I began to notice, if I'm really honest with you, was, was much of kind of early church history, including the book of Acts, kind of became um, like church folklore to me a little bit, okay? So it was as though it was kind of, I kind of had this, that was then, and this is now kind of mentality about the church. And I went to Bible school, and I went to seminary, and, and I got some of that, I got some of that theology and stuff sorted out. But here I, I wanted to return to the book of Acts again devotionally, to know the Holy Spirit. Kind of like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, he kind of passionately says, that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and, and that I may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Okay? There's a big difference in knowing there. And that's what I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to get closer to that kind of knowing with the Holy Spirit. And you know what I didn't find when I was reading through the book of Acts? What I didn't find is a Holy Spirit that kind of hides in the pages of church documents over here. I didn't find that. As well, I, I didn't actually find a Holy Spirit that kind of travels from city to city performing these spotlight shows either, okay? What I did find, however, was the Holy Spirit who has the power and the presence of God in people spreading the gospel towards the ends of the earth. Okay, did you catch that? Maybe I'll say it this way. 
the gospel moves by the power and the presence of God. And that's what I found as I was reading through the book of Acts. The gospel moves by the power and the presence of God. And I found that where the gospel message spread, okay, so where the mighty work of God was proclaimed in word and deed, what I found is there was the Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of God at work in people himself. And it all started with the wind and the fire, okay? The wind and the fire. Wind and fire, okay, let's, let's think about this for just a minute, kind of this unmistakable, often kind of an unrelenting power and presence in our world, all right? They have, wind and fire kind of have this knack of sort of doling out a, a, a fear, sort of a commanding um, a, a presence, if you will. Over the last, we can, we can think of this through, right? We, you can look at the last few years. Right here in the state of Washington, how many hundreds of thousands of acres of land, right, have been um, destroyed by fire right here in the state of Washington, okay? Most often, this fire travels out of control because the wind is just blowing it through the region, right? wind and fire. It can sweep through a, a fertile valley, destroying an entire economy in a very short amount of time. Private and public land is charred. Wildlife gets kind of displaced. Timbers burn. Structures are flattened. Okay, this is wind and fire. The whole scene, kind of this heart-wrenching scene. We've seen it enough. Yet without kind of you know, minimizing maybe the devastation of, of livelihoods in, in this kind of a setting, there's another side to wind and fire, all right? Beyond the ruin and the wreckage, the, the power and the presence of wind and fire can, can strengthen and energize as well, right? Wind and fire, they propel the largest and fastest jet airplanes through the air. They drive locomotives across the country, okay? They move these massive ships over, over, over oceans of water. They power entire cities. So from molten steel mills and boiling oil refineries, we're familiar with some of that around here, to campfire s'mores and crackling fireplace warmth, the wind and the fire, they refine and they refresh, and they renew. There is power and there's presence afoot with wind and fire. And if we pay close enough attention, and we're going to do this this morning, the same is true in the pages of God's Word. Okay? So, often enough in Scripture, the wind and the fire are, are expressions of the power and the presence of God. In particular... The Holy Spirit. All right. Starting, you can go all the way back to Genesis chapter one, and and you don't you don't have to turn to all of these passages. You can maybe write them down. Some of the passages are going to pop up here on the screen as we look at them. Okay, um, write them down. You can study them later this week. I'd encourage you that. But we're we're just going to kind of sort through sort of this survey, handful of these verses, and we want to build on this point that the gospel moves by the power and the presence. Of God. All right? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the very beginning. You remember this. All right? In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then it says, the Ruach of God. Fancy Hebrew word, okay? Ruach means the, the wind or the breath or the spirit of God. All right? Say that word with me. Ruach. Okay? Sounds a little bit like you're getting ready to spit. I understand that. Okay? The word's going to show up again because it does in Hebrew scripture. But it says, the Ruach or the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You see that? The Holy Spirit present with power right at the beginning in creation. Then there's another one. Uh, this one is uh, Genesis 15. Now, this one isn't going to be up here. Um, and this might stretch a little bit. Maybe you remember this. Maybe you don't. But Abraham, um, on God's command, he took these animals. He took a cow. He took a goat, a ram, a couple birds, and he laid them out in pieces on the ground. I don't know if you remember that story or not. Genesis 15, verse 17. It's sort of this crazy picture of what's going on. But it says... In Genesis 15, 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these, uh, these, these items, okay? What's happening is God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in these elements is, is affirming or confirming a covenant with Abraham, okay? So there again, we're moving through the pages. Holy Spirit. And, and then uh, Moses in the burning bush. You guys remember this one, okay? Moses in the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, 2 through 5, it says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now when we read this, we got to catch that this is more than just an angel here, okay? This is... Uh, most commentators, actually, and even Jewish scholars, this is in the Hebrew Bible, even Jewish scholars would say, this is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God himself. Remember, Moses looks at it, he says, oh, I should go and check out what's happening over here. Y you think, right? Here's the burning bush, okay? So here's another one, Exodus 19, verse 18. This one will pop up. Now, it says this, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The whole mountain was trembling. And then uh, you, you can go a little bit further. In Exodus 24, verse 17, it says, The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. That's power and presence. It's the Holy Spirit showing up way back, even before the book of Acts, okay? Um, some other ones in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is recounting these events from Mount Sinai. And in verse 11, he says, The mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven. I don't even, I can't even imagine what, he, what he's thinking about there. It says, um, Yahweh spoke out of the fire, okay? That was the covenant or this agreement of God the Ten Commandments being delivered, Mount Sinai, okay? And at the end of it, it says, um, Deuteronomy, again, chapter 4, verse 24, stand back, it says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. That's where it comes from, Deuteronomy 
4, 24. The Lord your God is a consuming fire. Of course he is, because he's three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Power, presence. Okay? Still with me as we're kind of turning these pages through the Bible, throughout uh, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. If you, if you read straight through there over and over again, this Ruach of God, or the Spirit of God, um, rushes upon, or comes upon, or rests upon these judges and these prophets and these kings. Throughout these books, we can remember um, like Saul, the very first king, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We can remember different judges, Samson and, and um, I think Deborah was in there too, and the Spirit of God comes upon them, right? I was thinking of a David, and, and we, can, we can kind of confirm this one. Remember, he sins with Bathsheba, and then the Psalm 51 gives us kind of his repentant story, and he says, kind of with this heart of confession, repentance, he says, cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay? Holy Spirit's power and presence there. Just a couple more that drive us forward toward the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. Uh, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the, from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And then it says this, And the Ruach, or the Spirit of the Lord, shall rest upon him. The Ruach of wisdom and understanding. The Ruach of counsel and might. The Ruach of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, that's a lot of spitting going on here, right? But what, now, it's, it has Jesus in view. But who is present and powerful is the Holy Spirit. The Ruach of God. In all of those things. It's phenomenal, okay? Power and presence. Last one here that we'll look at in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. This one will come up, I think. I will take you. I will gather you. I will bring you together. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all sin. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. You just imagine this happening. This is way before Jesus' time. The prophet is, is envisioning this, how the Spirit is going to get poured out. Jesus, I think, had this in mind in John chapter 3 when he says, unless you're born again, unless you're born of water and Spirit. I think he had Ezekiel 30 in view. But it continues. It says, I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my ruach, my spirit or wind within you and cause you to finally get things right. And you'll be mine and I'll be yours. Do you see the wind and the fire? Do you see the power and the presence of God do you see the Holy Spirit showing up in the pages of the Old Testament? And all of it is aiming towards something. So many more that we could think of. We could think of the pillar of fire that led the people through the wilderness. We could think of the wind that blew back a part of the Red Sea and gave the Israelites the chance to get out of Egypt. Remember that one? We could think about the burning fire on the altar in the tabernacle and then in the temple 
But even those ones that we've looked at, that, that we've shared, I think it's enough to kind of uh, launch us into the New Testament with some anticipation of this mighty work of God that he's going to do, okay? Ready for the wind and the fire. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was ready. He says, this is great, Luke chapter 3, verse 16. He's out in the wilderness, he's baptizing people, and he says to the folks that are standing around, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I am is coming. He says, the straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Don't you just, don't you love the humility there? Doesn't it just feel like John really understands the distance between him and his Lord in terms of holiness, okay? He says, he goes on, he says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit or this wind, same idea as the Old Testament, with the Holy Spirit and with what? With fire. The wind and the fire show up again. So the theme is just carrying right on through into the Gospels, okay? Um, John's looking forward to this, right? John probably has in mind some of the same passages that we just briefly surveyed through. He's getting eager for the wind and the fire. He's getting eager to see the Gospel message move by the power and the presence of God. Jesus himself tried to prepare his disciples for, for what this would look like. In John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. He dwells with you, and catch this, will be in you. Now this is, this is newer. Jesus is opening their hearts and minds to kind of something fresh. This isn't just going to be the Holy Spirit coming upon or, or, or settling on. There's an, there's an indwelling that Jesus is alluding to here. Later in verse 26, he says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. Okay, so he's going to help us to remember everything that Jesus talked about. And then later in Luke 16, 7 through 11, write that one down. Luke 16, 7 through 11, if you're writing them down. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of the sin and the unbelief. Okay, which unbelief is kind of the root of all sin, right? This unbelief. And following, so following the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we land right back in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Okay? And that's where you guys started your journey through the book of Acts. Now, I'm not going to read the whole context because I don't, again, I don't think it was that long ago that you guys were there, that Tyler was preaching through these passages. But maybe you'll track along with me as I kind of go through um, the storyline and, and, and we ready ourselves for this wind and this fire, okay? So, Acts chapter 1, Jesus appeared to the disciples quite a bit after his resurrection. Over the course of several weeks, all right, he stayed with them, encouraged them, spoke to them all about uh, the kingdom of God, what this mysterious new kingdom was going to look like, no longer imagined, but coming on him. It's going to be a real thing, okay? At one point, Jesus sat down, sat them all down, 
and, and he made very clear that they weren't to leave Jerusalem. All right? Don't leave Jerusalem because something big is going to happen. Wait for the promise of the Father. Okay? Ready yourselves for the wind and the fire that's going to come. So John the Baptist, remember, he was talking about one who will baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. That's what's coming on, okay? Remember, Jesus told him this helper was going to come to teach him and remind him. That's what's coming on. They asked Jesus if he was finally going to restore the kingdom to Israel. <laughs> nah, they're, they're still not, I mean, they're still not connecting all of the dots, right? Jesus, so patient, his reply, verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7 of Acts, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, okay? Then this, verse 8, critically important verse to catch, Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the end of the earth. Now, did you catch that? Here is a promise of the Holy Spirit for proclaiming the gospel. Witnessing to the mighty works of God. The gospel moves by the power and the presence of God. The Holy Spirit in us. And then Jesus finished what he was saying, and then he ascended. He's out of here. All right? Would have been remarkable to be present for that. The Bible says then in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, all of these, these disciples that were with him, they were all gathered together, one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. All right? They were readying themselves, getting ready for the wind and the fire. Now, chapter 2, okay? I was thinking this week, that if I had developed a product that would revolutionize the world, how would I get the message out there? Okay, and I was thinking and processing this through. We were talking about it as pastors, because um, the pastor at Sunrise, my pastor, he's preaching on the same text over there at Sunrise this morning, and we were thinking about it, and I said, you know, I think what I would do is I would buy advertising time the Super Bowl. Why? Because everybody's watching. I mean, not everybody, okay? But a lot of people are watching the Super Bowl, okay? That first set of commercials, most expensive airtime on national television, I'd get in there and I'd get some airtime because this is a product. I, it's going to revolutionize the entire world. So I want the entire world watching. Welcome to Pentecost. Welcome to Pentecost, right? Like today, okay, don't miss that. It was one of the three great pilgrim festivals among the Jews. Still is. Folks from all over would flock to Jerusalem to dance and to sing and just to, and to feast for a week together. Originally, what they were doing is they were celebrating the first fruits of the grain harvest. All right? By Jesus' day, what it had become is kind of this anniversary, and even still today, this anniversary, this celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Okay, the five books of the Torah giving them to the people of Israel. So the commands of God chiseled by God into these tablets of stone. Um, it's phenomenal because here they are now on that, that they're celebrating 
uh, the giving of the law here, physical tablets, right? And, and here now on Pentecost, so, all this is going to be written inside of them on their hearts. This is, this is remarkable timing that God has, okay? I love it, okay? Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says that the disciples, now there's probably around 120 or so of them, they were all together in one place, probably doing the same thing they were doing back in chapter 1, readying themselves. They're praying together, devoting to prayer, getting ready for the wind and the fire. Suddenly, it says in verse 2, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now imagine, imagine like the sound of gale-forced wind thundering all around you, but without the blowing. Okay, I, I mean, this is going to, it kind of blows our minds a little bit. And then in verse 3 it says, Divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. Now I guess what I picture is kind of the flickering tips of a campfire flame just kind of touching down on their heads but without burning them so you've got you've got the sound of wind without the blowing and you've got the presence of fire without the burning okay at any rate the sound i, I mean i'm kind of struck between wishing i was there and being thankful i wasn't all at the same time because it would have been just this remarkable scene right but we have this witness of Scripture to assure us that, that whatever was going on, this was certainly an expression of the power and the presence of God beginning to move the gospel to the ends of the earth. It says, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance to speak. Now, for clarity's sake, what I don't think is going on is kind of this private language of worship that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. These, are, these seem to be transmittable languages. People are going to understand what they're saying. We'll see it in a second. This was about gospel movement. Okay, So in, in verses 5 through 8, we see this booming rumble of the mighty wind attracted this attention of this crowd of folks that had traveled from as far south as modern-day Libya and Egypt, as far east as modern-day Iran, as far north as modern-day Turkey and Georgia, and as far west as modern-day Bulgaria and Greece. So this huge swath of people are gathering in this concentrated location, and they're hearing this, that's my language. This is phenomenal stuff. So verse 11 then, in uh, 9 through 12, verse 11 tells us this culturally diverse, multilingual gathering of Jews and Jewish converts all heard the mighty works of God in their own language. They heard of what God and God alone can do. Right? They heard the gospel, that because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, that salvation had now come by grace through faith in Jesus Christ under the repentance of sin and this renewal by the Holy Spirit. They heard, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, 
they heard the power of God unto salvation first for the Jew later in Acts to the Gentile now at this point all these folks they're amazed and they're confused they have no idea what what this all means some assume that the disciples had been tipping back a little of the new wine if you know what I mean okay sucking back on a little grandpa's cough medicine okay Peter with all the patience of his Lord now the the power and the presence of God the Holy Spirit in him he begins to explain listen they're not drunk they're not they, they have not been drinking new wine it's too early in the morning Peter says okay I love it it's too early in the morning that's later in the day no um, rather they're filled with the Holy Spirit friends okay and then Peter walks them through the scriptures probably looking at maybe some of the exact same passages that we looked at today okay he goes to Joel chapter 2 verse 28 actually he says um, see this here here is the spirit being poured out here here are the young men and the old men and the male servants and the female servants all prophesying the mighty works of God and God alone and he ties this outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave okay and he kind of wraps things up. Verse 33, he's been, um, he says, uh, Jesus has been exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing. So he points to God. This isn't from us. This is something way beyond us. This is the gospel moving by the power and the presence of God. Folks were floored by this. I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're floored. They don't know what to do. They're cut to the heart. It says they're convicted of their unbelief. Okay? What do we do now, they all ask. Peter tells them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, you go all in. You repent of your unbelief. You be baptized in the name of Jesus. Be forgiven of your sin and receive the gift of of wind and fire, of the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened? 3,000 people went all in. Do you realize that's half the population of Blaine? 3,000 people go all in. In Acts chapter 2, very end of the chapter, verse 42 and following, it gives us this fallout. There was devotion to the apostles teaching and fellowship there was feasting on the lord's supper and prayer there was awe and there was wonder there was gladness there was generosity it was the birth of a real live church and here we are this is our story this isn't church folklore this is real what do we do with it? What, what do we do with it now, 2,000 years beyond this? It doesn't seem normal, okay? The, the Holy Spirit filling us to speak in foreign languages that we don't even know so that people who do speak those languages can hear the gospel? Well, it, it happens, okay? It, it happens. I know that. 
But I don't think this is intended to be the normal experience of the church when we gather. I, I, I don't think so anyways. But, but neither is it normal to just outdate the story to extinction or frame it as kind of this relic on the wall as, as a memorial of days gone by, right? Because this is gospel movement. It's about the power and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in people spreading the gospel to other people. Talk about contagious. <laughs> That's what's normal timeless, universal in this text. It's that the gospel moves by the power and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in us. Are, are you ready for this? What I've tried to show this morning is that the power and the presence of God aren't, aren't a new idea by the time we get to Acts chapter 1 and 2. Okay, this, the wind and the fire, they've been present since time began. I don't think the 120 men and women who were gathered together in the upper room on, on the morning of this late spring day in the first century, I don't think they were all surprised by what was happening to them. I, I'm not necessarily convinced that they were expecting it at that moment, but I don't think they were surprised. I think they were ready. I think they were ready for the wind and the fire. I think they were ready for the power and the presence of God to come and to fill them. I think they were ready to tell the mighty works of God and move the gospel toward the ends of the earth. And I wonder if we are ready Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And then in, in, uh, in chapter 6, verse 15, I want you to see this one. This one, this one will be up here, I think. Um, he's getting at the armor of God. Okay, that's the context. He's got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit are, is there. And then there, in verse 15, what are the shoes? What are the shoes? The readiness given by the gospel of peace. Readiness and the gospel go hand in hand, friends. Are you ready for the wind and the fire? Do do you move through the daily rhythms of life with this readiness to share the mighty works of God with others? You see, if you've been transformed, you have a mighty work to talk about to others. When was the last time that you woke up in the morning and instead of, of being buried, this happens to be all the time, instead of being buried under the avalanche of busyness and the details of the day that's ahead, okay, that's my normal. Instead of that, when was the last time that we woke up and we prayed to be filled with the power and the presence of God to move the gospel a little bit closer to the ends of the earth? To have opportunity to share the mighty works of God with your grocer with your barista, with, with a co-worker, 
with a supervisor, with a client, with a neighbor, with the mail carrier, with, with any old passerby, with a son or a daughter or a spouse or a parent. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing now. Worship team's going to come up. Christina's going to come up. and She's going to lead us. We're going to sing through the doxology. What if we seized kind of these remaining moments of this time together and we readied ourselves for the wind and the fire? What if we did that? What if, what if we prayed, each of us, just, just quietly as, as we're singing, we're praying to ready ourselves today, tomorrow, this week, to move the gospel by the power of in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in us. Let's do that now as we sing.